Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, we're sitting down with the chef Craig Wong. Not only does Craig have the biggest heart, he's an acclaimed chef, restaurant owner, and television co-host. We'll let Craig tell us more about his come up and his journey to success but we'll start with saying that he has done one hell of a job marrying traditional Chinese family-style dining and the bold flavors of Jamaica. He's one of the only chefs in Toronto who's been able to really bring out that Jamaican-Chinese vibe that's so alive in Jamaica to Canada. You'll know this if you've ever visited or ordered from Toronto's beloved Patois. And if you don't know, you best be ordering on Uber Eats or even better, curbside, as we say hello to another stay-at-home order. Da, da, da. <laughs> we were all saying before how much we love Craig's food and we miss dining at Patois and we're just super excited for all of us to be together again. So Craig, I feel like we need to go back to the beginning for those who aren't familiar with you. Tell us about your journey to becoming a chef. Wow, it feels like so long ago. You know, I, just, I still remember like my first day in the kitchen and we're going back like 20 plus years here. So it's yeah. like it's like a, it's been a while. I, I might look young, but you my, do. my, you do. my, yeah. my knees don't feel it. <laughs> no Meg the Stallion knees. <laughs> but um, no, it's been quite a journey. And the thing I love about being a chef is that no people's, like no two people's journeys are, are ever alike. Um, you go through the, the, the growth and, you know, you go at your own pace and you choose the restaurants that you want to work in and you start to like absorb from those restaurants as well too, you know, it really makes an impact on you. Um, but uh, I always started in fine dining, French cuisine, working in like Michelin starred restaurants. And like, that was my focus, you know, the best of the best restaurants. And when it came time to open my own restaurant, you know, I wanted to bring in some of my kind of heritage, some of my flair, you know, some of that Jamaican Chinese kind of heritage and, you know, get the, the textures and, and quick searing and the walk and, and, uh, you know, some of that spice, you know, got to get some of that. Yeah, so it's uh it's it's been it's been really fun opening Patois and, and our, our newest restaurant Mignonette and uh, lots of projects still to come. 
What's the menu like at Mignonette? So Mignonette is definitely focused on like the the French training that I kind of went through and uh, real focus on like seafood and wine, you know, pairing those and think about like raw seafood bars, oysters, lobsters. And, you know, it just gets to be a little bit luxe, you know. When when you're talking about, I always hear chefs talking about, or when we're talking, do we do PR for restaurants. So when they, they're like, um, traditionally French, like it's always like, the chef is French trained, but you know, it's like it's, there's this air to being being taught the French way. Do you ever find that there's like it kind of makes you a little bit mad that like always the French always gets this kind of like get bow down to that. And then when you put any other kind of cuisine in, it's almost like lesser than. You know, what's so funny. It's changed now. It, it's that's really kind of telling of the time, because if you go back like 20 years and you look at all the top rated restaurants, they were one of two things, French or Italian. That's it. And that's all the choices that there was. But early on in like the 2000s, you know, it started to to kind of change, you know, and it's really slowly started to change. And then I think there was this young group of chefs that were just really passionate and wanted to bring their ideas, you know, and, and, uh, that really inspired me as well too, you know, and, and, um, I think the, the new generation, the new chefs that are going to be coming up, it's going to be changing, you know, and it's always for the better too, you know, it's the evolution of restaurants and the way that we eat, the way that we dine. I just find that it's, it's changed so much in, in the short period. And, uh, you know, in 20 years from now, who knows where we're going to be. Um, you touched a little bit about this, but when was it that you decided you wanted to marry your heritage by creating a Jamaican Chinese inspired restaurant? You're sitting with Jamaicans here, so <laughs> we love this and we know so much love comes from the kitchen, especially in a Jamaican household. Like it's what it's where we start, it's what we do. It's more spice. Definitely. <laughs> so how did that how did that come about and how did you know? I think it just like it's it's in me. You know, and there's there's no way that like I couldn't marry the way that I cook at home and the food that I eat and the restaurants I go to. And how could I separate that from the professional side, you know, and and that's what I kind of did in the beginning of my career. And I was like, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, so like opening my own spot, I had to bring some of that uh, some of those techniques. And I think it's 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 the worst thing that we we kind of preach and like the whole idea of authenticity and, and 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 I challenge that all the time because you know at one point in time every classic dish that we're eating now was fusion everything was brand new at one point in time somebody had to break ground you know and so they had to create something new and you know it, it for us to just keep on doing the same old dishes like mad respect I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love respecting like the where the roots come from, but we gotta change. We gotta look. We gotta we gotta evolve a bit too. Well, what what? How does that make you feel when when we're talking about like the idea of like cultural appropriation and when it comes to um, well, you you see it all the time, like the white white chefs yeah. coming in and being like, "This is how you make like fried rice," and you're like, "What?" Or <laughs> or you know, this is this is like my jerk chicken. And you're like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna cry!" Like. Yeah. It, it like hurts your soul. I totally understand that. And I see both sides. And, and at the same time, I think there's a place for everybody. If they do it with respect, you learn exactly how it's done. And like, that's the whole idea with what we do. I'm actually just a fan of food in general, you know, and, and I just really love the whole game. I love 
food. I just I love eating. I love the the act of preparing food to 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 give pleasure to other people, you know. And and if we learn the whole aspect and and what surrounds that food and the food ways and the way that the food is prepared and why it's prepared that way and what makes it grow like that, you know. And if you really understand it, then there's there's really no reason that anybody can't just you know respect the dish. What was it like growing up in Toronto, being both Jamaican and Chinese? <laughs> It's, it's kind of like not fitting in with yes. like Chinese people and not fitting in with Jamaicans. And you kind of have this like micro niche and it, it makes us a little bit more adaptable, I find. And I always got met with like funny looks, like especially like when I lived in France, you know, especially like explaining this in French. And, and like I'm trying to tell them that like I'm, I'm, I'm a Canadian guy and they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, I go like my parents are from Jamaica. They're like, no, they're not. And they're like, I'm like, oh, but like, there's like Chinese heritage. And they're like, yeah, maybe. But like, why don't you speak Chinese? Right. So it's like you, you never fit in in each one. And, and I guess we just don't fit in a, in a tidy little box. Yeah. I think that's that's like the mixed person's conundrum, the exactly. problem, you know, issue. But Absolutely. it also gives you this like beautiful breadth of knowledge because you're from so many different places. I my aunt is Jamaican Chinese, and I was born in Jamaica, and I have a lot of Jamaican Chinese friends. And Jamaica, it's it's you're very used to that in the culture, whereas in Canada, like you would see a J- Jamaican Chinese person, and when they speak in patois, people are like, whoa. <laughs> she's Chinese and she has a Jamaican accent. And you're like, that's weird for you. Like, exactly. You know, people are just so particular the way they want to categorize people. Absolutely. And it was like so amazing when I think it was your mom, you showed her how she eats an orange. Yeah. And I was like, this is my dad. Like exactly, exactly. And, and I could see people like, what? And I'm like, you know, this is it. Like you're a true yardie if you eat your orange like that. I feel like every yeah. yard person like literally responded. I did too. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how, the way. how my dad peels my oranges for me. It's true. That's exactly it. You know, like we... The world is a melting pot. It's changing, you know, like people are interacting and, you know, I I just, I find it beautiful because there's nothing more that I love to do than to travel. And there's nothing more that I love to do than to to explore different cultures and to to learn from it, you know, and, and I, I just see that there's more new cultures and, and exploration and it becomes a, a, a real part of our new soul. Yeah. Um, all that being said, and I think this is such a, an intersectional conversation as it already has been, we all know there's the rise of attacks on Asian Americans being covered in the media. What are your thoughts about this and how are you coping with this in the middle of a Ponderosa? Um, that's like the the best question, you know, and, and I think everyone is really just doing their best to, to, to get by. And, um, you know, hate is is just so wrong on so many different fronts, whether it's you know, to, to, to any race, you know, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm firmly against, you know, like we, everyone is trying to get by and everyone is dealing with the pandemic in such a different way. Um, and, and I see that everyone's angle is just different, you know, and, and it, we don't need to be at each other's necks. And just the other day, like there was this, uh, this lady that, that walked by and, um, you know, she had it out for me already, oh just God. like, <laughs> and, and feel it was, her energy just yeah, I, I was <laughs> actually, <laughs> I was actually sweeping like the, uh, the sidewalk in front of our restaurant. I, I walked outside with the broom and, and she made it in her mind that she was, um, that I had sweeped like the dirt at her. Before you even touch the broom to the street. 
I, exactly. I was walking out with the broom and, and uh, she's like, watch, watch what you're doing. And I'm like, inside of me, I'm like, you know, I got to be patient, can't spread the hate. And, and I want to leave it at that. But there's times that I think that people are just coping. Like there's a, an inner angst mm-hmm. in everybody right now. Everyone's on edge. And, and I try to pull myself out from that, try to think like outside my own body. And, you know, I think I try to, to calm myself down because it's really easy to get caught up in that stuff right now. Yeah. And everybody on social media with their trigger fingers, they're just like, exactly. oh, you know, because we have a lot of people, yeah. sadly, are out of work. Yes. They're at home and they're just on that screen. And yes. whew, watch what you say, people, before you say it. There's, there's bigger problems that we all face. You know, we don't need to be at each other. We don't need to. We're all part of the solution, but we're all part part of the problem as well. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, kudos to you though for being able to like have enough exercise, enough control over your emotions, because that <laughs> I think that's part of the adaptability piece we talked about. When you exist in a world that's somewhere in the middle, you're forced to adapt to all the people and all the things around you all the time, which is basically what I took from what you just said. Like yeah. you l- learn to adapt. And we've, we've all done it because you're like, fuck, you just know better. You're like, not today, Satan, because you know what's going to come from those things. Absolutely. And like, that's so, that's a lot of emotional burden for somebody to always have to do something like that. But shout out to you for rising above. I think it's, it's um, being a, a new father, you know, I'm, I'm, it's changed me a lot, you know, and I'm not the same person. I'm not the same chef. I'm not the same husband that that I was before my children and um, before everything really mattered. And it was so um, everything was so important for right, right now. Mm-hmm. And I think um, having kids really clarified the way that I think. And uh, I start to see that they're the most important thing. And all this other stuff is just fluff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it made me a better decision maker. There's something interesting about having to keep other humans alive. <laughs> like, are you alive? Quite okay. literally. Okay. Yeah. Are you alive and well? <laughs> Part two. <laughs> you can keep on walking, lady. I'm not sweeping on you. <laughs> to be honest, I'd rather just go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's so incredible. True. So true. So, Craig, you are not only the owner and chef of these two restaurants, but you also have some history of co-hosting the series Cook Like a Chef. Yes. Tell us how that opportunity came into your life and what was it like being on air and part of that production? So Cook Like a Chef for me was like the show when I first started cooking. And it's one of those shows that like got me excited about like cooking like a professional chef. Because at that time, I guess on, on the Food Network, it was before all the competitions and, you know, that, that it is kind of today. Uh, and it was more instructional cooking. But majority of them were kind of like um, like home cooking based, you know. And this was like one of those first shows that like it's not about the recipe. It's about the technique. And it's about chefs teaching other people how they actually cook. And so I was like, that's exactly it. You know, and, and I my first job, I went to go work for Michael Bonaccini at Auberge du Pommier and saw him on TV. And I'm like, I want to work for this guy. So like, uh, <laughs> so to, to be um, part of the revamp for the show that they did after like, you know, 20 years of, of being off the air, um, that was a really cool opportunity for me, you know, to be part of the show that really got me inspired in the first place. And, and um, for, for Gusto to approach me and, uh, and hit me up for, for, for uh, you know, being part of the show, that was a, a real honor. Yeah. 
Did you find there were any challenges with being on air? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of like you have to take your mind away from cooking and that has to be on like autopilot. And then you have to focus on like your cadence. You have to focus on your posture. You have to focus on what's coming next. You have to focus on what other people are going to be doing. And it's like a choreography. It's almost like a dance. And at the same time, you have to be present enough to 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 say some some cool stuff. And entertain people, you know. You can't scream like like when people are like on the line, you know, when you're yes. in a restaurant. You're like chef, yes, yes. chef. Like, <laughs> That's exactly it. And and what I came up back like with that, and like what uh, what I really pulled from that experience is, it doesn't matter what you're cooking. You're there to entertain and to inspire people to cook. That's it. That's your job, you know. And and it's it's not even about the recipe. You know, so at, at that point, you just have to be so good at what you're doing that like the, the cooking just comes naturally. Amazing that you achieve that <laughs> seamlessly. Yeah, I was like, that seems very difficult, but 10 out of 10. It's kind of like the difference between like um, cooking great food and and then food styling for photography. Like it's like they spray it with stuff and like it, you don't ever want to eat it because it's like got all those things to make it look beautiful in a photo. There's it's, a glue it's on two it. Very different things, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I love that. Um, do you feel like Toronto lacks anything in the restaurant industry right now? I think there's a real lack of understanding of what um, us small businesses need from what kind of support we need from from our politicians. Oh, um, preach! Yeah, the, for the people in the front. Yeah, <laughs> at the top. I can't tell you how many of my friends that are super successful, very talented at what they're doing, hardworking, that are like on the brink. And I feel for them and my heart breaks for them. And we're one of the lucky ones because our food like travels really well and, you know, it, it translates to takeout. But some of my friends are, are, are amazing chefs that do tasting menus, that do these gastronomic experiences. And how do you convey that through like disposable, you know, containers. It's a very difficult thing. And so these are the people that like we want to keep around as a city. Like I, I can't imagine Toronto being the same city without the restaurants, without the, the cool small businesses. And and uh, I just think there's a, a real lack of understanding um, from from the support that us small business owners need. We're like losing the sparkle of what is Toronto. And it's interesting you say that I keep a running list um, for when people come to visit Toronto, because everyone's like, where do we go eat? And for five years, I've had a curated list, Patch was on it. And I went because someone had asked me not long ago, like, hey, where do you eat in Toronto? And I went through my list and I had to clean the entire list, like scrub it because we've lost, I've lost, we've lost about 50% of them to this situation. And what I felt in my heart at that moment was like, we're losing like the sparkle that is Toronto, like that thing where you like, I can send a list of, of restaurants to people and I'm like, here's cheap eats, here's mid-priced eats, here's high-end eats, here's the things that you have to do. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now like, I just, I hope we make it through. It's so true. Like we've all seen the videos of the people in the mall and the congregating and, and then, and then, you know, you have these small businesses that are, are really hardworking that, that want to do something right. And they want to abide by all the rules that keep on changing you know, like these, this teasing us with being able to open and then closing right afterwards, you know, it's been a big challenge and it almost seems like insurmountable because like once we feel like we're starting to get a little headway, then it's just like knock us right back down. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I don't think people, like regular people, realize the margins in the food business. Like, it's not like you're making even super successful restaurants. You're dealing with perishable items. So you're constantly, you have to be really great at it, first of all, of ordering. But the idea that it's, it, there's an expense to running this business, a very high expense, other than rent, right? Like every day. And so I think people just think, some people just think you just open a restaurant. No, my gosh, <laughs> no, like not at all. So I, there's also so much um, tenacity as a person that you have to have to go out and do that, like to go out and open one of these businesses with the hopes that you're going to get clientele to come in and that people are going to want to eat your food, that they're going to want to share it. And now that spark is completely taken away because it's now in a completely impersonal system. You get it from a delivery or you maybe go pick it up, but there's not that, you know, you go into your restaurant the servers are amazing. You feel like you're somewhere else. You're transported somewhere else. Like all of that's kind of gone. You're just serving it to someone through an outward experience. And so I just, I don't know, I pray for this whole system that we figure it out. Is there anything that you would want to say to a politician to like give some guidance or? I think it, it, it has to be, um, we all want to do the right thing and we want to abide and we want to do, you know, what's safe. But at the same time, um, their decisions literally change our lives. It changes our livelihood and we're losing people by the day. I can't tell you how many talented cooks that I know that are like, why bother with this very difficult field? Why bother just sit on my butt and just collect CERB? Like I'll go work in an office and I get to work from home. I'll make twice as much money as I will in a restaurant just to start off. And um, I, I don't think that people are lazy. I think people really are looking to get back to work. And um, if, if they're never, they're never going to come back to restaurants. Once they leave, they're gone. And um, that's what I see for, for this field that is already very competitive and we're losing it by the day. Which is devastating to think that that is becoming our reality yeah. day after day. It really is. And and I was one of the, the people that was like, stay positive. And, you know, I was one of those people that was like, we, we're expanding and we're growing our business and I'm keeping a positive mindset. But the longer that this goes, I just see the people around us that, you know, um, aren't in the same position. And it's it's not the right call. It's not the right call. It's uh. It's something that I, I wish they would change and I wish they would support in different ways. Because as of right now, there's there's very little support for like 
business owners. There really isn't like there's there's not much there. And I shudder to think that it's because we just don't have the representation. You touched on this a little earlier and you said um, that you are one of the lucky ones. And I think that that is a part and parcel has to do with a lot, which includes your willingness and openness to social media. Like you've mastered the art of the pivot, in my opinion. <laughs> You're right, because your food does translate well to takeout and all of these things. So as you know, someone who's really leaned into social in a space where a lot of chefs don't, and they're afraid to be in front of the camera and they don't like people in their space and all of that. How have your feelings on social media changed um, since COVID? And like, what what do you think about it? I've, I've always been a believer that you don't make one right decision. It's about making a thousand correct decisions every single day. And that's how you find your path. And there's going to be a lot of incorrect ones as well. Like there's a lot of stumbles, but it's it's a it's about making the right choices at the right time and having the back of 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 your own people and just like they support us you know i i feel very lucky to work with the managers and employees that that we have now and and we want to take care of them we want to employ as many of them as we possibly can you know so it it's a constant battle it's a constant change and i know that not all employees want to be um they want to have a steady life or I don't. <laughs> and that drives some of them crazy because I'm like, no, today we're going to do it like this. Next day we're going to do it like that. You know, we're changing this constantly, but it's a feeling out process. And 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 I, I feel for them because I know it can be unnerving sometime. But what I tell them is a business is like a tree. If you're not growing, you're dead. There's no such thing as standing still and doing the same thing every day. You have to be growing constantly or else you just... You know, it's it's a business that's dying. I mean, and that speaks to how you're staying alive and doing it well. You yeah, know? you've come up with some really cool social media, um, well, social media friendly delivery options yes. and um, different take home things that you could do at home. You've been really playful with it. How do you stay creative in this time where it can be really hard? I got to give it up to my wife, Ivy. You know, she's one of the she's one of the ones that listens to my crazy ideas and and she tops it with something even crazier herself. <laughs> we've been together since high school, you know, and so we've um, we, we know each other very, very well and became adults together, you know, and and we've learned how to complete like, uh, uh, you know, to, to fill in each other's like like weaknesses, you know, and and. Um, I think there's that childish naughtiness or whether it be sense of humor or whatever just drives us because being a restaurateur, it, it doesn't pay enough to just hate your job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like if yeah. we're not having fun doing it, then why are we in this, you know? So it, it's it's really, we're having fun by doing this and, and, and that's what makes us excited to go into work the next day. That's the energy we strive for. In addition to Ivy, what has been your saving grace throughout COVID? I think it has to be just spending time with family, taking the time to enjoy walks, you know, enjoy the simple things, being uh, being a father to my sons and getting to know them way, way more, um, spending more time at home and just doing business in a different way. Because now instead of being at the restaurant for like huge amounts of time, maybe I can get a little bit more work done at home. What's next for Chef Craig Wong? I mean, is there anything exciting coming up? What can you tell our listeners is on the horizon? Well, we just had our, our, our my new cooking show debut this past Monday. 
with Gusto as well on CTV Life. So that is a new thing. We have several new projects that are on the go and, you know, we're still completing our expansion of the restaurant. Um, so there's there's a ton of work to be done. We ask all of our guests this and we want to know not how you do it the hashtag way, but how do you self-care? How do you take care of yourself outside of work, like outside of like the typical things? What are things that you have to do to make sure that your mind is right? I've started cooking at home again. It's And it's really funny because for years I, I did very little of it and I always enjoyed it. But I, I just I now I cook for my sons. And so, like, I wake up at, you know, 530, you know, 5, 530. And uh, and and I'm thinking about what to cook them. And it's, I might not always be home for dinner time, but I can guarantee at 5 a.m. I got time. So I, I probably cook like a big elaborate breakfast, probably something bigger than than there. <laughs> Dinner for breakfast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like my neighbors must think I'm the weirdest guy because they're like, who's who's grilling at six o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Jamaicans are. Yeah. Like, Good morning. <laughs> who's grilling in the middle of winter? <laughs> Jamaicans yes, exactly. are. They're probably like, can we come over? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It smells good over there. <laughs> well, chef, this has been an insightful, refreshing conversation. And we're so happy that we had the opportunity to chat with you and take a break from all the chaos that's going on right now in the world. Same. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. We can't wait to come back to your spots when they're open, but for now we will order. And yes. what do you like better? Do you like, do you use the apps or is it better to pick up? You it's know, always it's always better to pick up. It's always helpful for restaurants if you can pick up, you know, but, um, you know, if just order any way that you possibly can. If it's more convenient for you to get delivery, do it. It helps support restaurants. Um, if you can order directly from the restaurants, great, you know, but I'm one of those people that I'm just like, just support, you know, and for me, it's like, I want to keep the staff busy. I want to keep them all employed. And uh, I've, I've even just like, you know, we don't have expectations as restaurateurs to to kill it in in 2021 right. we're just about just get by right and if we can support our people if we can keep our teams together that's the most important thing well thank you so much of course it's an honor <laughs> thank you and co's you know where to find us at coco and co that's c-o-w-e and you can follow Craig Wong on the gram at Craig Wong. And he has both restaurant accounts linked in his bio. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends. You know what to do. Rate this podcast on Apple and follow us on Spotify. Every action counts and we really, really appreciate it.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips. For just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.